6: Wednesday, February 26, 2020, Roland Martin here broadcasting live from Charleston, South Carolina. Well, just in a few moments, John Legend will be leading a, war- a rally for Senator Elizabeth Warren. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, we'll, to- we'll go live for this event. In addition, new poll out shows Joe Biden up 18 points here in South Carolina. Last night, that was a messy debate that took place in Charleston, South Carolina. We'll show you some of that and also, Remember Dylan Roof, the white supremacist who killed nine African-Americans at Emanuel AME right here in Charleston? Well, guess what? He's on a hunger strike. Oh, boo-hoo. It's time to bring the funk and roll the on down the trip From South Carolina, let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss he's on it.
0: Whatever it is.
6: it's roller here in charleston south carolina where we are at this rally uh that's gonna be led by john legend for Senator Elizabeth Warren. you see it is a packed house uh, here in the Music Hall uh, here in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, Folks downstairs, upstairs as well, I was just backstage with John Legend and Senator Elizabeth Warren uh, chatting with both of them. And so uh, they were earlier today at South Carolina State University in Orangeburg, South Carolina. So they are a rally uh, already. This is the second one they're having today. All the candidates uh, are all across South Carolina. A couple of hours ago, Bernie Sanders was in Myrtle Beach for a rally. He also had a huge rally uh, at the Coliseum here in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, he was down for the day, a little bit ill. But all the candidates, though, uh, spoke this morning at Reverend Alice Sharpner's National Action Network Ministers Conference. We live-streamed that event. We're going to show some of, some of that for a little bit later. But here is a state of the race in South Carolina. Clemson University dropped their new poll. Today, the Palmetto State poll showing that Joe Biden is up 18 points here in South Carolina. A distant second is Tom Steyer with 17 points. Uh, Joe Biden with around 38%. Tom Steyer with 17 Four points behind Tom Steyer is Senator Bernie Sanders, and fourth is Elizabeth Warren at around 10, and then you have Klobuchar as well as Buttigieg. And so Joe Biden desperately needs to win by a big number in South Carolina to revive his campaign. If Joe Biden wins South Carolina, this will be the first state he's ever won in the three times he has run for president. But remember, Super Tuesday is just four days later. The Biden campaign announced today an ad buy that they're actually taking uh, as well out. They have not been been money uh, up on uh, air. In addition to that, though, Michael Bloomberg, uh, according to Nate Silver at 538, he is dropping in the polls. People saw that first debate, did not like what they see. He's not been polling well. And so it's all kind of things are happening in this race the question is if warren comes in fourth then Buttigieg, judge and then of course klobuchar do they drop out do they stay until super tuesday let's go right to it with our panel uh, joining us there in washington dc is a scott bolden of course with the national bar association political action committee also in studio uh, there is joseph williams of course who is a senior editor for u.s news and world report pam keith attorney, and activist. Joseph, I want to start with you. Uh, again, this state is crucial for uh, Vice President Joe Biden. He's been leading in all the polls. He's been, been—he's been, uh, of course, his numbers are shrinking, though. Tom starr has really cut into his black support nationally. Bernie Sanders is now tied or in some polls ahead of Joe Biden among African Americans. I dare say if Joe Biden does not win this state by double digits. Do not be shocked,
1: Joseph. And people say that he's time for him to drop out. I mean, he's put all his chips on this number, uh, and he, you saw it last night. He was energized more than he was before. His debate performance has improved because he knows this is it. He does not win South Carolina, or he wins South Carolina by a narrow margin. It is done. So I think that that reflects a lot of the performance we saw from him last night, and the rest of the race kind of falls from there. It's not that unexpected for Bernie Sanders to stumble in a state like this. Even though he has shored up his African-American support nationwide, black people are still a little suspicious of him, especially the uh, the frequent voters, people in middle age, people older, who tend to go to the polls a lot more frequently than young people do. So his slippage is not that surprising. What The question is, what does he do coming out in Super Tuesday? Does he continue his message and tailoring it towards the broader electorate, or does he try to get shore up his black support? I mean, it seems like the answer to me is kind of obvious.
6: Uh, look, Pam, bottom line is this here. Vice President Joe Biden needs a strong number, not only for his own campaign, but he needs for some of these other moderate candidates to drop out. According to a poll released uh, in Texas uh, that, uh, that Sanders and Biden are neck and neck in Texas, But according to that poll, Michael Bloomberg is eating into Joe Biden's support. If Michael Bloomberg was not in a race, Joe Biden will be up seven points in Texas. And so Biden really needs for Klobuchar, for Buttigieg, for Steyer, possibly for even Warren to get out of this race so it can really come down to race between him, Sanders and a Bloomberg.
7: I don't know that it helps Joe Biden if Elizabeth drops out. She's a progressive. The majority of her supporters, if they were given an option, would go to Bernie Sanders. I don't know that that necessarily helps him. But for sure, um, big questions need to be asked of Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg, especially if they don't increase their appeal to voters of color. And I'm not seeing that happen. I mean, I'm sure I am seeing some some sort of uh, efforts on the part of Mayor Buttigieg. But Amy Klobuchar, even, even last night, you know, still hasn't uttered the word black people. And I, I don't know that she ever has. Her her claim to fame is how much Midwest white people and how much Republicans love her. And that's, that's fine. But that's That's just not going to get it done in a Democratic primary. The thing that I think is particularly interesting is what happens in this this dynamic between Biden and Bloomberg. The whole bet was that Bloomberg could weaken Biden enough to show himself to be the stronger horse. Last night, it was very clear, and certainly the previous debate, it was very clear that Mike is great in ads and lousy on the stage. Um, Joe Biden's not great on the stage, but he's better than Mike Bloomberg. And at the bottom line, Joe Biden is still a tried and true Democrat, and Mike Bloomberg was a Republican for the majority of his political life. Now, that's not to say he's not electable. I'm not suggesting that. But I am suggesting that he has taken positions and done things that would cause the average Democrat, the voting Democrat, to be suspicious or or, or ill at ease. I'm not saying he's a deal breaker. I'm just saying there are people who are going to feel at ease about
8: that I in gotcha. the end guys listen if, if i may if, if if i may okay this election is 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 so different from any other election i don't think the electorate black white yellow brown cares about any of these litmus test issues cares about what the flaws in regard to the black community all seven of these candidates have there's a bottom line proposition and it's beat trump the real question for biden is this it's always this, where does he go from here? Is he a one trick pony, Win South Carolina, he's only got three or four million dollars on hand, does, does that generate more donations and so he can compete on Super Tuesday? Or are the moderates just gonna continue to cannibalize one another and give Bernie Sanders the victory? It's not about South Carolina. I'm convinced Biden's no. going to win that, but can he survive through Super Tuesday? And who gets out before Super Tuesday? Who gets out after Super Tuesday? But Scott, yeah. But Scott, first of all, first of all, you're wrong on that
6: point about. Well, oh, I'm right. you' we just know disagree. it's about beating Trump. I'm right. You can't, you can't, you can't get to beat Trump unless you win the nomination. That's true. The reality is, black voters are looking. Black voters are making determinations in terms of the various issues from these different candidates. They are doing that. Now, you asked the point about Biden and what is happening there. Look, I just told you, Biden is running neck and neck with, uh, running neck and neck there uh, in uh, Texas. Also, he's running neck and neck in North Carolina. There are 16 states and uh, territories that are, that are actually uh, that's voting a, That's a on third Tuesday. of the delegates. One, one second, one second, one second, and the reality is okay biden is doing very well the question though is and this is the thing joseph when you break down the numbers if you look at michael bloomberg his numbers are falling if bloomberg does not win several states doesn't do well on super tuesday bloomberg potentially could be the one to drop out if it is clear that he
1: is now getting in the way of joseph biden Well, it's looking that way. I mean, he's had two back-to-back really bad performances. Warren is eating him alive. She's raising a lot of these issues that are going to raise questions in the minds of voters. And really, what is Bloomberg's message beside the fact that he believes he's the moderate who can beat Trump? What is he going to do? What is his plan? What is he talking about? What is his broader appeal to the electorate, other than the fact that he's a moderate and not Donald Trump? He's got very real image problems, not the least of which is he's another plutocrat who's running for the nomination and who, by and large, has bought his way into the race. A lot of people are really not interested in in, in seeing a replay of 2016 only from the left instead of from the right. right. Well, what are the other candidates
8: doing? They're buying their way in the race. They just don't have sixty billion. So they raise it from their
1: followers and supporters. That's and the, you the, have, the, the and you great have, difference you maker can, is you have can to you have, get more votes than the next have, guy? You it have doesn't have care. Care. it's the all money. In order to raise money, you have to have support. support. You and have help. to have people who believe in your message. You have to have people who are willing to open up a, a checkbook, stroke a check, yep. Two dollars, five dollars, two hundred, twenty five dollars. Bloomberg $2. strokes his own check
8: and he's raised up in the polls. He may be dropping in the polls. But what is this guys, whole thing
4: guys, of
1: buying guys, your way guys, into guys, an election It's just nonsense. Guys, guys, it really guys, is. It, voting it, is the bottom guys, line, it, and that's, really, the, that's guys, the denominator. Guys, guys, it really isn't. Listen, so, I mean, you're right. It's, uh, it's, you can't I, win I need, with money, I, but you, gotta, I, you, I you can win folks, with votes. I need, how many, hold on, how folks. Many, how, many, how many presidential I need. Men?
6: I need all of you to listen. Stop talking. Stop talking. I need you to listen. We can have this back and forth about money. But here's the deal. That's not what voters here are saying. The point is simply this. If you break down this race, you have not seen this number of candidates in the race since 1992 when Bill Clinton was in the race, okay? In 2016, you only had two. In 2008, you only had two. And so you do have folks who are in various lanes. Senator Bernie Sanders has the strongest organization, and we know 28, 28, 29, 30% how that is faring. What is really about to happen is again, what happens on Saturday, Super Tuesday follows. The real thing, what's going to happen on March 4th, when people step back and assess and say, now, where do we go from here? Now, again, it's going to be some tough questions for Budu Judge, for Clover Shar, as well as for Warren as to what they do. I say the wild card, even though he's already spent $500 million, if Mike Bloomberg shows significant weakness. On Tuesday, Super Tuesday, because he's not on the ballot here in South Carolina, I wouldn't be surprised if his folks say, with all the money he's spent, you're actually going to make it easier for Sanders to win the nomination if you stay in. Again, Joe Biden, even though he's he's been been broke, really, for the last two months, he is still polling in first in several states. But he needs money to go forward. That's the real issue here. What are you going to do about the lack of money Scott, going forward? Scott, 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 Scott. This is very simple, Scott. If Joe Biden wins South Carolina, and then all of a sudden he wins Texas and he wins North Carolina and several others, you know what's going to happen? Ask Pam. She's run for office. Money is going to become it's in. Come and so the, the bottom line is this here: Joe Biden. Joe Biden has the potential if he wins several states to show that he actually has resilience yeah. and strength. They're also going to say, "Hey, wait, what's going on here?" we got to bet on the guy who won. He, and so that's what you got to look at right. here. He, oh, he, this he, whole he Biden he, oh, is just... De- potential one with one a capital is, P. Pam, yes. one second. Pam, go ahead.
7: I, I, I want people to understand that out there, you have different classes of donors. You have donors who give based on their passions, and then you have donors that give based on their desire for future access right? Those are the ones who stroke the bigger checks, right? Because they feel, but they're going to bet on the horse that they think is going to win because they want proximity to that horse when they do win. It's about political access. And so the people who are holding off on Joe Biden, just in case Bloomberg is the stronger horse or Buttigieg is the stronger horse, once they see that Joe is really beginning to pull ahead and it's a better bet to get with him, they're going to stroke those checks to Joe Biden. They want to be with the winning horse and they're not ideological like that so that's a different type of donor but i i honestly agree that that kind of donor can write you big checks and lots of checks or bundle checks but they can still only show up with one vote at the poll and what bernie has going for him is passionate people who will actually show up and work and knock doors and do the work on the ground and that is his advantage he also has a dis- a dispersed fundraising model which means that his donors never max out because they're given five ten dollars a month So they never max out. He can constantly count on that money coming in, and it's never going to run out.
8: My only point with Joe Biden, and you all expanded it to Super Tuesday, I'm talking about I don't think the checkbooks from those donors you just described are going to open up to big donations simply because he did what he was supposed to do. He was always supposed to win South Carolina. The key for him like everyone else and I agree with Roland is that what is he going to do on Super Tuesday? And he's going to need money to cover Super Tuesday and I don't think that money flows before it flows afterwards if he turns out to win several But Scott, but, but 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 Scott, but Scott you're actually wrong.
6: The Biden campaign I'm actually just right. Today, you disagree uh, no, with me. Say Scott, it that way you no, disagree. Scott, you're wrong. I don't like you telling me I'm wrong. wrong. I've got an opinion. Listen, Scott, here's why you're wrong. Your opinion (laughs) is wrong because it's not rooted in facts. Just today... Just today, the Biden campaign announced their ad buy, where they're going up with their ads in a number of states. They also announced that uh, the heads of six state uh, campaigns. It happened today. So again, you're wrong. You're giving an opinion. It's not based upon I'm fact. I'm not wrong. What is those dollars here, those Scott, dollars, came Scott. Super allow fact. me to finish. Listen to me, Scott. Scott. No, it's not a super PAC, Scott. <laughs> it was announced by the Joe Biden campaign. Super PACs and the campaigns cannot coordinate, so the campaign cannot they, announce. I didn't an say ad they were by, coordinated. By I said
8: I said a lot of those Scott, ads. Not all
6: Scott, are coming from super PACs. Scott, no, they're not. Scott, they're okay. not. The Biden campaign announced a new buy. The bottom line is this here. The bottom line, one second. The bottom Bi- line is this here. The bottom Bi- line is this here. The Biden campaign came in second in Nevada. What is happening is the donors are realizing okay, if he does, he does well last couple of debates, and I said this two weeks ago, what was going to happen? Biden somehow comes in second in Nevada, wins South Carolina, folks can take a deep breath. And he's not in trouble there this super tuesday only four days later the real issue is what's going to happen come march 4th we'll last see. night we'll a lot of folks not happy a lot of folks a lot of people not happy last night with the debate on cbs in terms of uh, losing out of control uh here is some of what took place in last night's debate here in charleston south carolina mr
3: president biden i want to make i want to bring us to another topic we're in south carolina it's the first primary with a significant black voting population. Your numbers appear to be slipping with black voters. And I'm wondering if you could respond about why that is happening to you at this particular time.
4: Well, first of all, the latest poll I saw, my numbers, I'm still 15 points ahead. The latest poll.
3: Yes, yes, you're correct. But look, correct. look. But Senator I... Sanders is in striking distance of you. You are within the margin of error in this in this state.
4: Well, it depends on which poll. Look, I've, I've earned the vote. I've worked like the devil to earn the vote of the African-American community, not just here, but across the country. I've been coming here for years and years, creating jobs here, making sure that the port, for example, that employs one in 11 people. We put $500 million in our administration just into this county. We've created jobs for people. The people know me. My entire career has been wrapped up in dealing with civil rights and civil liberties. I don't expect anything. I plan to earn the vote. I here, I'm here to ask and here the but folks i intend to win south carolina and i will win the african american vote here in south carolina every single policy area in the united states has a gigantic subtext of race yes we're talking about education we're talking about criminal justice we're talking about housing we're talking about loans i started a bank to to basically to Correct the injustice, injustice in the financial services industry. Basically, to make loans to black owned, Latino owned, and women owned businesses. We've supported over 8,000 affordable housing units. But more than that, I believe I'm the only person on this stage who believes in reparations for slavery something happened, we should have a formal commission on race to retell the story of the last 400 plus years in America of African Americans, of systematic legal injustice, discrimination and cruelty, but also of 400 plus years of contribution in terms of building the United States of America and leading the United States of America from a moral standpoint. Mayor to mayor, mayor to mayor, you've certainly had your issues with the black community as well.
3: Do you think the New York City's implementation of stop and frisk was racist?
9: Yes, in effect it was, because it was about profiling people based on their race. And the mayor even said that they disproportionately stopped uh, white people too often and minorities too little. And I'm I'm not here to score points. I come at this with a great deal of humility because we have had a lot of issues, especially when it comes to racial justice and policing in my own community. And I come to this with some humility because I'm conscious of the fact that there's seven white people on this stage talking about racial justice. None of us, none of us have the experience, the lived experience of For example, walking down the street or in a mall and feeling eyes on us, regarding us as dangerous without knowing the first thing about us just because of the color of our skin. None of us have the experience that black women uh, have had that drives that maternal mortality gap that we are all rightly horrified by of going into a doctor and being less likely to have your description of being in pain believe because of your race since we don't have the experience the next best thing we can do
10: is actually Uh, listen to those who do we let it get out of control and uh, when i realized that i cut it back by 95 percent And I've apologized and asked for forgiveness. I've met with black leaders to try to get an understanding of how I can better position myself and what I should have done and what I should do next time. But let me tell you, I have been working very hard. We've improved the school system for black and brown uh, 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 students in New York City. We've increased the uh, jobs that are available to them. We've increased the housing that's available to them. Joseph, I had some
6: serious problems with last night's debate. Uh, I was sitting in that audience, greatly frustrated, listening to to, uh, what was being said. Uh, I had a a problem listening to, uh, again, lack of uh, follow-ups, in-depth questions. And look, this was a debate, Joseph, sponsored by the Congressional Black Caucus Institute. And frankly, African Americans were not centered in this debate. And I keep saying every four years to the CBC, you got to make it clear you want black folks to be centered in this debate. And here you had discussions about North Korea, China, Syria, uh, you had Russia, and I'm sorry, Africa has seven of the fastest growing, seven out of ten fastest growing economies uh, in the world. No mention whatsoever. Trump banning Nigerians from coming in. No mention. Calling African nations shithole nations. And so,
1: uh, I, for me, it was a two, it was a it was a waste of two hours, Joseph. It was kind of like a, a, a lot of heat but no light in a food fight, WWF, whatever you want to talk about. But there were very serious issues that kind of got a once over. I mean, we didn't hear anything about the black unemployment rate. We didn't hear any detailed plans about plans, about ways to reverse that. We heard some mention of, of stop and frisk, uh, mainly because it's become a headline and it's become the millstone around Bloomberg's neck. But there were more practical issues that only got a once over. And if that, uh, and I think that if this is the one shot, the one opportunity where after we pandered to Iowa for a long time, we go to uh, uh, New Hampshire for a long time, two very homogenous states, you don't hear a lot about issues that are important to African Americans, but you have this one, it sort of reminds me of Black, Black History Month or Black History mm-hmm. Day, where it's this one shot out of the year where you guys get all this attention, then we're going to move on. And because it was so superficial, it was incredibly frustrating. Yeah. It was also very frustrating to not have the moderator, Gail King of all people, right. pin people down and say, listen, what is your plan for black America? Where we right. get it, we understand you're trying to get an advantage, and the next day's headline, but let's have some real talk. You've right. got an audience here that wants to hear this, and this is supposed to be the right. one debate where black issues matter. We didn't get very much of that. But, right. but are you really right. that surprised?
6: Right. I mean, you had seven pa-
8: pa- white candidates. Pam, up he was there. Inter-
6: Pam, he was interesting. One second, one second, one second, one second. He was interesting. Here you had uh, uh, you had uh, uh, Michael Bloomberg with his uh, with his Tulsa initiative. You have a Pete Buttigieg with his Frederick Douglass plan today. Tom Starr released his 27-page report uh, or his 27-page agenda for Black America. I had an interview with him. We're going to air the interview on Friday, special edition of the show. Bottom line, Scott and uh, Scott and Pam, you ha- you didn't even have the folks even asking those questions, right. and they had the plans right there that are specific to African Americans. And so I'm like, what
7: the hell? Well, I think the answer to your question is that CBS had an agenda that was very different than the CBC or certainly the the viewers. CBS's agenda was gotcha questions that put the candidates on the defensive, because that's what they think generates ratings, fights generates ratings, ooh, somebody dropkicked so-and-so, and and that's what they were interested in. Uh, But this debate, like many other debates, were all about jabbing the candidates without giving them an opportunity to really jab at Trump. I mean, you could have asked any number of questions about judges, about the Constitution, about the insertion into the rule of law, about... What he's doing internationally right. about coronavirus. They didn't they didn't want to talk about anything that would allow our candidates to go on the offensive. They wanted them on constantly the defensive. And more importantly, and I think Scott was making this point as well, which is as, and you were, Roland, quite frankly, doing an excellent job of making the point that there are so many things that uniquely or disproportionately affect the African-American community, mm-hmm. and CBS could have made those things central to the debate. Anywhere from, from <coughs> infant mortality and maternal education. mortality, education, mm-hmm. historically black colleges and universities, right, um, okay. you know, uh, uh, the the number of, of small businesses that are cut out of the government contracting uh, process and, and so on, there are so many places that they could have allowed the candidates to shine. But that was not their goal. But, their goal was not right. to allow candidates to shine. Their goal was to put them on the defensive and have them attack each other.
6: But Pam, I'm not convinced. I- if Fast Scott, hold on, one, one second. Hold on, let's on. And Fast Scott, what's interesting is, so they asked Michael Bloomberg about stopping frisk. No problem. No follow-up saying, wait a minute, uh, Mayor, you say you cut about ninety-five percent. The federal judge who was the one who ruled it unconstitutional. Right. She was on television last right. week saying mm-hmm. it was her ruling. Mm-hmm. She also then she also said Joe Biden was wrong uh, saying the Obama people sent in monitors when she said the monitors came in two years after mm-hmm. her ruling. Then <laughs> then they turned to Klobuchar, asked her about something frisk when you had nothing about her job being a DA and also nothing about the brother who was giving interviews about being in prison for 20 years, right. uh, who said he never did it. And I'm sitting there like, uh, did anybody read? And also, Scott, how in the hell no one asked Joe Biden about, Joe, when, when the hell did you get arrested in South Africa? Right, exactly. When, and- Nelson, uh, uh, when you were going to see Nelson Mandela? And I'm, I'm just sitting there like, I'm, I'm like, the woman next to me in the debate, she says,
8: you're really bothered. Why, what is happening? <laughs> I said you damn right I am. Yes, yes. Well, well, but 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 two points. Uh, all of these are flawed candidates. And remember, you got seven white candidates who don't want to be tested on their knowledge or their understanding, appreciation, or investment in Black America and our communities. So even if you had the follow-up, these seven candidates, they are, they understand and think they have knowledge of the mythology of the Black experience. But you don't have anybody up there with black experience. You got everybody up there living off and through white privilege. And that's not, I'm not blaming them. But again, we need more diversity on stage. But the reporters had a greater responsibility to press and stress them. And you're right, they simply did not follow up. You can cross-examine, you can keep a question tight, keep an answer tight, and discipline those candidates to answer, they'll follow you, but they need to be led. And there should have been um, several more questions about black America and the black experience. And I blame the the, the CBC Institute. They should have been in there arguing or negotiating those questions versus letting CBS, I presume, I guess, kind of dictate what the tone and tenor and substance of right. the debate questions would be.
7: I, 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 well, agree. I agree with Scott. Well, I'm
8: you, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, one second, one
6: second, one second, one <laughs> second. No, I'm gonna tell you who I blame. I blame the eight black broadcast and cable networks that did not have the common sense to come together and say, why can't we produce a debate for black America? And uh, simulcast it. Yeah, now, here's what's yeah. interesting. On Saturday night, the, uh, on, Saturday, on Saturday night, Viacom CBS, Simulcast, the NAACP Image Awards. On, it was on BET, it was on eight other networks, including Pop, including Logo, including Country Music Television, and several others. <laughs> now, you explain to me why TV One, why BET, BET Her, TV One's Clio TV, Aspire, Revolt, Own, and Bounce, couldn't sit down and say, okay, if each one of us puts in $50,000, we can actually produce the debate and actually simulcast it. And you know what? If one of the larger networks wants to simulcast it as well, that's great. But we choose the moderators, we choose the questions, and we control it. This is a failure of black media a failure of these individuals who and here's the whole deal it's not going to kill their damn ratings to have a single debate right. one time every damn four years and so i say forget all these damn award shows but this is it this is at some point where black media needs to have some guts and be called out because here we are now here's what we're actually doing we are literally sitting here saying oh my goodness why didn't a basically a mainstream network white why didn't they do this 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 in a so-called black debate? There's no reason in the world we should be asking somebody else to tell our story and control the narrative. Right. That's who I also call out in a uh, comment. But, but, but have you <laughs> If, if, but let
7: right I want to—I want to put three quick points in here, Roland, because I think you make an excellent point. First of all, let us.
6: Okay, hold on, hold on. You—you ain't you, got time. You ain't got time for three points. Okay. You ain't got yeah. time for yeah. three <laughs> points. Quick. And quick. This the two. Quick.
7: The, the sickness with our, with our media outlets is the same sickness with our fraternities and sororities. It's the same sickness with our churches. The, the fear of being political, especially because, because of, of where their financing comes from. Number two, I want to make the point that uh, we are bad to each other. Let's be honest about it. The questions that Kamala Harris got for being a cop, for being a prosecutor, right, doing her job and the kind of hate she got from within her own community and then turn around those same people giving Mike Bloomberg a total pass on that, it's mind-blowing. That's something that we should consider. And the, and, and one thing I do want to... Well, Roland
8: said you couldn't make three points. Well, now. And, uh, I got I'm doing, something to say. And I'm a, i But I'm going to give a <laughs> shout-out to...
7: I got to give a shout-out to Elizabeth Warren because with Pam, that Pam, time that up, she Pam, did Pam, have, she up. actually tried to insert... African-American issues in her answers. Uh, She actually uh, offensively and aggressively did that.
8: But Roland, I got one quick point. That is this, you're talking about after the fact. As vocal as you've been on this issue, I hope you said something about these networks and what it should be before the debate, not after the debate. Not just after the debate, uh,
6: Sky. Sky, you obviously ain't watched this show. You obviously ain't watched this show. Uh, I'm a member of the fan very club. Commentary half a dozen times in the ha- well, about time. <laughs> but I've done this. And you only remember the fan club for one week. Let me remind you. <laughs> so uh, I've done this very
8: commentary half a dozen times in the last six. But months. did you have direct conversations with those topic. networks? Did you have direct? I'm not talking about your broadcast. Direct conversations with those, those networks about these issues. The, I think you those, could do that better. Those net, those networks,
6: though, those networks won't even a single that's, that's network kind of won't the CBC even have a conversation, wouldn't
1: it? I mean, it's up. That is CBC. That is CBC's their, job too. Their right, I've I said mean, that. You know, they have to. They have to step up. I mean, if Joseph it, Go, it, they have to step up. It's a, if it's a failure of imagination, it's a failure of their imagination as well. Black broadcasting will be led. Black broadcasting mm-hmm. will succumb to pressure. Black mm-hmm. broadcasting will listen to the CBC. If you get those heads in a room, they are not going to come up with it by themselves, obviously, because news apparently does not sell to black American video watchers. But if the CBC puts pressure on them, I think it can happen. Yeah,
8: but they have to stand up. Roland has tons of stories of when he was with CNN or when they did this co-thing in 2016, a co-debate, and he was... Part of the, uh, the the one of the questionnaires or something like he can tell you stories. You have to stand up. No 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 it, 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 it was it wasn't it, was, it wasn't debate. It was a town hall. Okay, town hall. You have to stand up. You have to it's have someone hall. like Roland Martin there or some of our strong journalists, whoever they may be, to stand up and tell the network we're not doing that. We're going to go do this or
1: we're going to ask these questions. And when they push back, just do it. Just so, go do but it. But the problem is who who is that person, right? Yeah, I mean, if you go to all these networks. We are marginalized. We are not in the C suites. We're not mm-hmm. in the the, the editorial decision making process. Yep. We're reporters. We're editors occasionally. Mm-hmm. Maybe even now and again, we might have a manager. We do not have people at that level that can command that kind of a presence to make that request. Mm-hmm. Therefore, and the get CBC, the response. And get the response. Right. Therefore, right. the and, CBC and, 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 has the clout and, and, to go and, up in there. And,
6: and 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 and
1: you, you, and Joseph, you're absolutely
6: right because I can tell you right now. Look. Um, when we did that town hall with CNN, they were gonna run the hell over us mm-hmm. if it wasn't for me. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, they 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 were gonna they relegated us. They were gonna have me off to the side. I told I, Brad Brad um, Brad Siegel was the president. When he came to me and said we were doing this debate, uh, this town hall with CNN, I said, Brad, they gonna screw us. Mm -hmm. I said, when that debate opens, I better be center stage with whoever's on CNN's side. Oh, no, 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 we'll be fine. I said, yo, we gonna get screwed. (laughs) We went through rehearsals. They were gonna have me off the side. I told them, hell no, Mm -hmm. when that debate opens, it's gonna be Jake Tapper and me center stage, or we gonna have a problem. And they had to go fix that. During the actual town hall, they had Jake tossing to break, coming back from break. I was texting them live during the show, mm-hmm. saying this is some bullshit. Mm-hmm. I know how to actually toss as well, and so it looks like he was controlling the bait. Brad Siegel and Jeff Zucker were in the truck, like, "Well, Jake gonna do this, Rolling gonna do this." Mm-hmm. And then when we were doing the rehearsals, I'm gonna tell, I'm telling you, this actually happened. Mm-hmm. At the end, they said, okay, well, at the end of the debate, Jake is going to uh, introduce some documentary they were doing. I said, well, hell, since y'all going to do that, I'm going to mention that I'm broadcasting live from the Ohio States through the union. They right. said, oh, we don't do that. We don't promote other networks. You don't said, do what? I said, well, let me tell you something. My audience... Don't, now, listen, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I said, my artists don't give a damn about y'all documentary. I said, let me tell you what y'all going to do. Y'all going to figure this shit out. I said, so y'all going to get together... <laughs> and y'all going to figure out. But I'm telling you what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. He going to introduce that documentary, and I'm going to say I'm broadcasting. And trust me, the CNN people were pissed off the meat. But the deal is, I told them, this is how this is going down. Mm-hmm. Y'all ain't disrespecting a black network, and y'all figure well, since we CNN, right. you know. And the problem is, you know, they even screwed us in their on-air promotion. In the press release, they told us, we could not. We were going to put in, our, in a TV1 press release, we said we we're going to ask black issues. They said, take it out of the press release. We said, hell no, we ain't taking it out. Mm-hmm. So the only reason all that went down yeah. is because I, I the intentional fortitude to say, hell no, I'm taking a stand, mm-hmm. and I told them it's going to be a problem. Right. If when that debate right. opened, I'm not standing center stage. And the deal is, for everybody watching, that wasn't about my ego. That was about fighting for black presence in black right. media and guess what if the network execs at tv1 wasn't gonna back me up i ain't give a damn i was gonna do it anyway mm. but to joseph's point you ain't got a whole bunch of folks uh even in black media who roll the way i roll mm.
11: right. and that's
6: the difference mm. and so that's the bottom line yep. i'm telling you right now yeah okay because here's the deal here's the deal uh y'all do y'all have it queued up do y'all have it queued up from the from prayer breakfast today so here's what happened. Y'all get it queued up. So so Amy Klobuchar, Senator Amy Klobuchar, who's been ignoring black media for all this whole presidential election, we've been trying to get her on for a month. She just hasn't so been available, she, Roland. She, she, no, wait, no, no, Scott, whatever. So <laughs> she, lying. She, so she spoke this morning at Sharpton's National Action Network breakfast. I sent him a text and said, don't let her come up in here and nobody challenged her on not talking to black media. Mm -hmm. But when she got done, this is what Sharpton said.
10: Let me say this. Senator, you see that gentleman, that's Roland Martin. Your folks need to get with him. Y'all need to talk to the black press. You know, I don't talk out both sides of my mouth. What I say on radio, I say in public. I say I was gonna tell you and Pete and all y'all talk to the black, there's Roland right there. So y'all get that together. Did did I do my assignment, sir? All right, thank you.
9: And I am proud that we have put forward the most comprehensive vision of any campaign to achieve that, beginning with the understanding that you cannot just wipe away a racist policy and replace it with a neutral one and expect that to deliver equality.
6: Come on. And 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 of course I went backstage. Of course I went backstage, and I told Senator Klobuchar, your national communications director Tim Hogan has not been returning our phone calls and emails. And trust me, her whole staff eyes, the the they were eyes were wide open. And then I said, y'all cancel the color change podcast. You ain't responding to Angela Rye. You ain't responding to Darren Sands at Buzzfeed. All these black journalists. And so uh, I let them let them be known. But the whole point is, you gotta have black journalists. In black media, who's willing to stand up and fight folks and demand respect? Right. That's what it boils down to. Right. I
11: oh, agree.
8: Right. Agreed. No, no, Roland, I, I agree. <laughs> oh, Rev gave you not only a shout out, but gave the campaign a directive. Which you again, you need that. You need. How, how many civil rights leaders would have done that? Right. Uh, and so uh, it makes a difference. You know, if you're in this position, Roland, if you're in your position, if if if, if Rev Reverend Al Sharpton is in his position. You're there for a reason. And whatever your industry is, you've got to stand up. I'm not talking about being offensive or argumentative or even disrespectful. Stand up for who you are, for your community, and for black people, and just tell it the way it is. That's the only way we're going to defeat or get some response. Now, you didn't mention what Amy Klobuchar said or whether her senior people said something, but I hope what she said is that they're going to get together and they're going to start doing more black media. I hope.
6: That's exactly what they
8: said. <laughs> <laughs> so, now we got to uh, make them right. We got to make them right, Roland. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, no,
6: that's exactly what they said. Yep. Okay, so here's... Okay, one second, one second. one second So here's the deal. There's an introduction going on right now, so let's do this here. We're going to play for you right now the interview that I did last night after the debate with Senator Elizabeth Warren. So guys, go ahead and play that right now. I worked hard as a newspaper It's good to see you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've gotten aggressive in the last two debates.
3: Now, now. I'm just calling the truth out. That's it.
6: One of the things that, uh, of course, uh, when you talk about that, you were very pointed with uh, Mayor Bloomberg, but also very pointed with Senator Sanders. Uh, Why that shift, especially at this point in the race? Look,
3: I think it's become pretty clear to everybody that the Democratic Party is a progressive party, and that progressive ideas are very popular, that means we can't have one of those candidates on stage who just nibbles around the edges of problems. But it also means progressives are just going to have one shot at this to make real transformative change. And that means we got to have a president who has a track record for getting things done. And I got that.
6: You've also been very clear when it talks issues uh, related to African-Americans, speaking to them more so than anyone else in these debates, but how do you move that needle for them to support your doctors in South Carolina, but especially those Super Tuesday states?
3: Yeah, you know, it's mostly getting out and talking to folks, but it's also about making clear, you know, everybody on that stage will kind of say the same stuff, make the same promises that have been made year after year after year. For me, I think it's time for a real shift. This notion that we just pass a bunch of policies that are race blind, we never talk about race other than to say, well, there's going to be some effect here. I think we actually have to move to race consciousness. So, for example, I have a housing plan to build 3 million new housing units across this country. We got to do that. But it has a specific section in it to counteract the effects of redlining. I have a health care plan, I believe, in universal health care but there's a specific part to deal with the high black maternal mortality rates. I have a plan for canceling student loan debt, but it specifically is designed to help close the black-white wealth gap among those with student loan debt by about 20 points. I want to invest directly into historically black colleges and universities. I got $50 billion set aside for that. Those are the kinds of things we've got to do. We've got to do it partly because morally it's the right thing to do but we also got to do it because having opportunity means real opportunity not just saying after decades and decades and decades of redlining well okay now you guys can buy houses no it's saying it had a real effect it created a black white wealth gap that was our government that did that our government needs to make it right
6: last question Democrats say some Democrats say Senator Sanders is too far left. Can you become the alternative, being a strong progressive, but the alternative to Senator Sanders being the nominee? How do you make that case?
3: Look, I am a progressive. I have good, rock-solid values. I know what I'm in this fight for, but I also have a history of getting it done. So, for example, as you know, uh, both Senator Sanders and I both... Wanted to rein in Wall Street after the crash in 2008. I was the one who got out, did the hard work, uh, fought the banks, fought Wall Street, built the coalition. Fought Joe Biden. Fought Joe Biden, (laughs) built the coalition, and got it done. And President Obama asked me to come to Washington, spend a year to set up that agency for him. Um, That's real change. Do you know that little agency has not only attacked discrimination and lending head-on. It has also forced those banks to return more than $12 billion directly to people they cheated. You know, we can do progressive things, but we gotta get them done to make a real difference. And that's what I'm gonna do. That's what I'm it. in this fight.
6: All right, thanks a lot. All right, folks, we're here in South Carolina at the Elizabeth Warren John Legend rally. So right now, John Legend's about to come out. So we're about to go to the stage.
10: Listen to John Legend as he campaigns for Elizabeth Warren. To me, there are no greater patriots in America's long history than the black citizens who are willing to die for a nation that was denying them their rights.
2: Mike Bloomberg is the only Democratic presidential candidate that has a real plan to fight for those sacrifices that have been taken for granted for far too long.
10: And I've got to think it was in hopes that their service and sacrifice might redeem those rights For their children and grandchildren.
2: Introducing the Greenwood Initiative, a bold new plan to help black Americans create generational wealth.
10: One, we will help a million more black families buy a house. Two, we will double the number of black-owned businesses. Three, we will help black families triple their wealth over the next 10 years to an all-time
2: high. Mike will get it done. Visit MikeForBlackAmerica.com to learn more.
10: They're concrete proposals that we can afford and that we can get done, and we will. I'm Mike Bloomberg, and I approve this message.
0: Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020.
6: All right, folks, so here's what's going on here. And so you have the introduction right here. And so uh, John Legend is going to be leading this rally. So John Legend is going to talk about 15 minutes uh, about Elizabeth Warren. Then he is going to bring Elizabeth Warren out on the stage uh, to talk to this crowd here. Uh, As you can see, uh, you've got, uh, it's it's a pack at at, at this music hall, the Charleston uh, Music Hall. Uh, and so we're upstairs uh, here. You'll see all the folks who are here. Then, of course, you got a full uh, folks uh, who are downstairs uh, as well uh, uh, here tonight. as like I said, this is the second, second rally that John Legend has held to, in South Carolina today for Sir Elizabeth Warren. The first one was at South Carolina State University uh, in Orangeburg. That took place this morning. And so now they are back uh, in Charleston. As I said, candidates, uh, the seven grand candidates are all over South Carolina. Mike Bloomberg is not on the ballot here, but Mike Bloomberg is still campaigning with the events in South Carolina. Of course, he's on the ballot in the Super Tuesday states, uh, and so uh, that is what is happening. Uh, John Legend is here. I was backstage actually before the, um, uh, I was backstage before um uh the event uh let me, let me say goodbye to our panel let me thank scott we thank pam let me thank joseph i appreciate them being here uh, as well uh and so uh, we've had quite uh the busy day what i'm gonna also do here uh, is give you a little bit more news folks uh and that is uh, on today's show uh so uh on capitol hill the house finally passed the anti lynching bill okay here we go we're gonna go to the stage uh now to hear john legend
2: Mike Bloomberg is the only Democratic presidential candidate that has a real plan for black youth in education. It's called the Greenwood Initiative.
10: We'll make public college tuition free for all low-income students. We'll forgive college loans for students who were exploited by failed for-profit colleges.
2: Mike knows investing in our teachers is investing in our children.
10: We'll also recruit more Black and Latino teachers, as we did in New York City, because studies show they can make all the difference. And we'll also invest much more in heavily historically Black colleges and universities, because many of the HBCUs are struggling.
2: And the first step to achieving generational wealth is taken in the classroom.
10: We'll incentivize state and localities to create financial literacy classes.
2: Mike will get it done. Visit MikeForBlackAmerica.com to learn more.
10: They're concrete proposals that we can afford and that we can get done, and we will. I'm Mike Bloomberg, and I approve this message.
0: Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020.
6: join Reverend Dr. Jackie Hood Martin as she engages others to think like a leader. Are you looking to enhance your leadership or that of your team in 2020? You can join her online course and mastermind group, How Successful People Think. She'll be your guide as you learn timeless leadership principles to apply to daily living. The offer expires on February 28th. To register uh, or start the online course, go to www.livetolead.com.au forward slash leesburg live to lead.com forward slash leesburg again it is the, uh, it's the online leadership course uh that you want and it's called how successful people think and so the deadline is february 28th and so live to lead.com forward slash leesburg
12: My grandmother was a fighter, my mother was a fighter, and my sister was a fighter. And together they raised me to be the man I am today. And that's what attracted me to Senator Warren's campaign. What I see in her is a thoughtful leader thoughtful leader with empathy, who understands how this, so many of these issues affect marginalized communities. Not only is there an understanding there, but I can feel that understanding and plans and policies that she's putting forth to solve those problems. The way that she engages people from the communities where problems disproportionately affect them the most, how she brings them into the process of crafting a solution. And the reality is, in order to win in November, we need a fighter. So again, I'll tell you why I'm here. I'm here because my sister was a poet, my mother was a social worker, and my grandmother was an educator, and that's why I ended up becoming a hip-hop artist who uses poetry, to reflect the social issues of my time and i do my best to make sure that that work educates as many people as it can when they listen to it they raised a fighter they raised a fighter who instead of listening when people told me that hip-hop and this type of music wasn't allowed in so many different places we kept pushing until it was this very venue right here that i recorded my most recent album The water Album*. And the fight goes on. The fight must continue, we have to keep fighting. I come in a long line of artists who have always fought, and artists who have never been afraid to use their platform and leverage their platform to bring about social change. Paul Roberson, Sam Cooke, Nina Simone, James Baldwin. And there's another artist who I stand in a long line of, an artist that I've been a fan of for years. In years. An artist who's not afraid to use his platform to bring about social change. An artist that's not afraid to stand up for justice. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I want to introduce to you a phenomenal songwriter, singer, musician, activist, and one of my inspirations. I want you all to give a real Charleston welcome to John Legend.
11: South Carolina.
13: I bring you greetings from the great state of California. My wife Chrissy says hello. Everywhere I go, they ask me, where's Chrissy?
12: Where's Chrissy? I know I'm the second most popular person in my family. Actually, probably fourth now,
13: ballots back home in Los Angeles. The ballots are due next week, so I have to send them in tomorrow, but I'm proud to say I've already marked my choice for the presidential nominee from the Democratic Party. I put it in pen, I put it in pen early because I made my decision and I'm not changing my mind. I believe Elizabeth
12: Warren should be the next
13: in the Democratic primary. (laughs) I would have friends voting for all kinds of folks and some of them working for them and my intention was to publicly just stay out of it. I wasn't going to endorse anybody for the primary. I would just vote for my preferred candidate. and No matter who won the primary, I'd work my butt off to make sure Donald Trump was a one-term president. I'm a news junkie, though. I started watching the campaigns. I had an open mind. I wanted to see who made the most compelling case. I really didn't know who I was going to vote for. I wanted to see who convinced me that they were ready to be the president that this country needs right now. I watched many of the debates. I saw what the candidates were posting on Twitter. I saw them in town halls and in interviews. I read some of their policy positions. And as much as I wanted to publicly say I to one, it became abundantly clear to me that one candidate stood out from the rest. That one candidate was my clear choice from among a very talented field. That one candidate was Elizabeth Warren. Let me tell you why I'm so confident in Elizabeth Warren. First of all, she's brilliant. Can we acknowledge that? Now, I I know the bar is very low right now. We currently have a president who embarrasses this great nation on a daily basis with his incompetence his lack of preparedness, his unabashed ignorance, and his lack of curiosity. He's a hot mess. Bless his heart, as you all always say now. Wouldn't it be so refreshing to have a woman of Senator Warren's brilliance replacing him? Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a woman who came from humble beginnings, worked her way through college and law school, and ascended her way to become a Harvard Law School professor, a U.S. senator, then president of the United States of America. Wouldn't that
0: be magnificent?
13: But it's not enough that she's brilliant. In a democracy, we don't simply rely on our leaders to tell us what they know, to issue commands, from high up in their ivory tower. We depend on our leaders to listen to us. Yes. The best leaders in a democracy are more than just smart people. They have empathy. They care about ordinary people. They are intentional about paying attention to the everyday struggles of people who are often looked Great leaders in a democracy care about the sick, the forgotten, the marginalized, the poor, the disenfranchised, the incarcerated. They go out of their way to understand the problems that people face, and they have the passion and the resolve to do something about it. How do I know Elizabeth Warren practices empathy? I hear it in the way she answers questions about policy, about what she would do in office. She doesn't just rattle off her prescriptions. You have to listen closely, more than any candidate that I've ever seen. Elizabeth answers about policies start with a story about people. Yeah. She's met a mother she's met who's struggling to get child care. The families she sees driven to bankruptcy by medical care costs. The communities harmed by racial discrimination. She understands that this diverse nation has all kinds of people, and they deserve a president who listens to their issues and cares about making the government work for all of them. She doesn't spend time whining and dining billionaires so she can fund her campaign she spends her time talking to the people if you donate five dollars to her campaign she just might personally call you up and say thank you if you wait in line with thousands of other people to shake her hand and take a selfie she often will stand there and do it for each and every person who shows up and waits long enough Now, why does she do all of that? It's because Elizabeth Warren fundamentally believes that our democracy is in danger, that the government has become too corrupt, too beholden to the interests of the powerful and the connected. And the reason she ran for president was to give this democracy back to its rightful owners. It's right for owners of the people of the United States of America. That's why she takes the time to listen to each and every one of you. She knows democracy is you. And that's why she's got plans. Yes, y'all know. She's got a plan for that. If you know nothing else about Elizabeth Warren, you know that she has plans that will bring meaningful, positive change to the lives of everyday Americans. You see, she combines her brilliance, her deep understanding of the law and the government, how it all works, with a profound passion for the people, a sense of empathy that informs every plan, every policy. And that's why whenever she says she intends to do something, you can rest assured she's doing it for a reason. She's listened to people like you. She's thought about the impact. She's spoken to experts in the field, and she's resolved to do something to make it happen. Yes. Elizabeth knows that our communities need big structural change, that the system has been rigged for too long against too many people, and she has a plan for all of that. Elizabeth grew up on the edge of the middle class. Unlike any other candidates, her personal, professional, and political experience has been devoted to the most critical issue of our time, the pursuit of equal opportunity for all in the United States. She believes in capitalism, but she knows that we need rules, we need enforcement to make sure it works for everybody, not just the powerful and wealthy. In order for our democracy to work, we need to make sure our politicians know who they're working for. That's why Elizabeth has the most sweeping anti-corruption plan since Watergate. We cannot wait any longer to undo the evil and corruption that Trump has unleashed in the last few years. But it's not enough for us to just undo the damage this president has done in the last few years. We have to make big changes that have been needed for decades. Our country has been horrible at investing in education. Elizabeth will guarantee high quality childcare and early education for every child from zero to five. And we know our health care system has been a mess for a long time. Obamacare did a lot to fix that, but we've got a lot more work to do. The costs are still crushing too many American families, even those who have good insurance. Millions of people with insurance are one bad diagnosis away from going broke. That's why Elizabeth supports Medicare for All, and she plans to fully finance it without raising taxes on the middle class by one penny. We also know that racial inequality still runs rampant in our society. We know that this nation's original sin of slavery and its centuries-long devaluing of black lives have had long-lasting effects on the way that black folks live today in 2020. We've seen the data when it comes to the wealth gap, the home ownership gap, the education gap, the disparities in how we're treated by the criminal justice system. But these aren't just graphs and numbers on the page. These are lived experiences. Centuries of trauma and exclusion targeted our communities. Too many of us know what this looks like and feels like. And Elizabeth has listened to us. She knows that all this harm visited specifically on the black community, requires solutions that are specifically targeted to the community. She supports creating a commission on reparations for the descendants of enslaved people. Unlike my former mayor, Mayor Bloomberg, she knows that housing discrimination through redlining has been a national tragedy. And her housing plan creates a first-of-its-kind program to help first-time homebuyers living in formerly redlined areas to buy a home and start building the kind of wealth that government-sponsored discrimination denied their parents and grandparents for decades. We were at South Carolina State University in Orangeburg today. She's committed to give $50 billion in investments to historically black colleges and universities like South Carolina State. And for everybody, she made technical school, two-year public college, four-year public college, free of charge. And she also knows that racism has been codified in our criminal justice system. This is an area I spent a lot of time focused on. We have the most incarcerated country in the world. We have 3% of the world's population, 25% of its prison population. It's outrageous. Elizabeth knows we need progressive criminal justice reform in this nation. She will end cash bail, get rid of private prisons, repeal the 94 crime bill, legalize marijuana, and undo the horrible legacy of the War on Drugs. I could go on about Elizabeth's plans for a while. She also has wonderful plans when it comes to the climate crisis, when it comes to immigration, when it comes to protecting women's reproductive rights. But I'm going to get out of the way and let her talk about it herself. Let me just say, before I do, that none of these plans mean anything if you don't have the wherewithal, the passion, the tenacity, that nevertheless she persisted attitude to get them done. And that is perhaps what inspires me the most about Elizabeth Warren. She's not afraid of the fight. She's not afraid to take on the challenge. She has a plan to win. Elizabeth Warren believes in this country. She believes in its people. She believes in democracy. That if we come together, if we listen to one another, if we love one another and value each other's lives, We can build a more perfect union. We can address these problems that have been festering for far too long. We can make big structural change that will improve the lives of millions of everyday people. But none of this happens, Charleston, without you. Elizabeth Warren needs you. This country needs you. Now, like I said, I vote California. I was born and raised in Ohio. I've never lived in South Carolina. But I flew all the way across the country just to do this today. Because everybody's watching South Carolina. They wanna see what happens in this primary. You have the power to send a message that will resound across the nation. Now I know that folks are worried. Folks are afraid. I'm a little worried too. I know that Donald Trump is an existential threat to this nation, and everybody's hoping and praying we pick the most electable candidate from the Democratic Party. But the fact is, I can't predict who the most electable nominee is. In 2016, we thought we did that. And you probably can't predict who's gonna win either. So I'm voting based on who I think will make the best president. I want someone brilliant. I want someone empathetic. I want someone with a plan. I want someone with the fire and the commitment and the persistence to make that plan happen. And I hope you'll join me I hope you'll vote to make Elizabeth Warren the next president of the United States. Without further ado,
11: please welcome
13: Elizabeth Warren.
2: Mike Bloomberg is the only Democratic presidential candidate who understands that wealth creation and the current racial wealth gap is linked to past racism and has a plan to address the impact on black America.
10: The crimes against black Americans still echo across the centuries and no single law can wipe out that slate clean. The time has come, I think, to fully commit ourselves to acknowledging our history and righting our country's wrongs. And that's exactly what I will do as president.
2: It's called the Greenwood Initiative.
10: One. We will help a million more black families buy a house. Two, we will double the number of black-owned businesses. Three, we will help black families triple their wealth over the next 10 years to an all-time high.
2: Mike will get it done. Visit MikeForBlackAmerica.com to learn more.
10: They are concrete proposals that we can afford and that we can get done, and we will. I'm Mike Lundberg, and I approve this message.
0: Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020.
3: There's been another mass shooting this time in Milwaukee. My prayers are with the families. But I will redouble the efforts to break the stronghold of the NRA. We need national gun legislation across this country. Enough! I want to thank you all for being here tonight. I want to say a very special thank you to the folks who did this introduction uh, to two very extraordinary men. Uh, first one, that we bonded over questions about environmental justice and how you make real change in this country, how we understand how, go ahead and sit down, how you understand about how communities of color have just been devastated for generations by the location of uh, polluting factories and toxic waste dumps in their communities, things that have destroyed the health of young children, of seniors, and of economic viability. We had a chance to talk, to talk about policy, and a chance for me to say, let's put the right plan together, a plan to commit a trillion dollars, to clean up the communities that America helped destroy for generations. And I want to thank my partner in that, Benny Starr. Way to go, Benny! I also want to thank another extraordinary man for being out here. A man who brings his talent to his music, but also brings it to his conscience. A man who speaks and sings from the heart. A man who is determined to make this America a better America, the amazing John Legend. Yeah. Now, tonight, what we're going to do is something a little different. Usually, at the end of one of these things, I like to do a selfie line. But instead of a selfie line, John Legend's going to play some music. It's yeah. so, okay; you can applaud. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I do want to say to you, though, just so we're all clear on this, my name is Elizabeth Warren. I'm the woman who is going to beat Donald Trump. The thing. I wasn't born a politician, but I was born a fighter. I wanted to, I'll tell you a little bit about my background. I was born and raised in Oklahoma. I have three older brothers, much older brothers. They all went off and joined the military. Um, our family didn't have much. We were kind of a paycheck to paycheck family making it through. And um, when I was in middle school, my daddy had a heart attack. Uh, he survived, pulled through, but when he got home, he couldn't go back to work. And so there was a long, long period. There's no money coming in. Um, I still remember the day that we lost the family station wagon. Um, I remember how my mother, at night, she'd come into my bedroom, and she'd give me a kiss and pull my blankets up. And I always knew what was coming. she gave give me this big smile. And then she'd walk out of the room, close the door, and I'd hear her start to cry. She never wanted to cry in front of me. I'm in middle school. This is when I learned words like mortgage and foreclosure. Um, And I remember the day. Walking into my folks' bedroom and laid out on the bed was the dress. Now, some of you in this audience will know the dress. It's the one that only comes out for weddings, funerals, and graduations. And there's my mother down by the foot of the bed. She's in her slip and her stocking feet. And she's got her head down, and she's pacing, and she's saying, we will not lose this house. We will not lose this house. We will not lose this house. She was 50 years old. She had never worked outside the home, and she was terrified. And she stopped and looked up, and she saw me in the doorway. I am just a kid. And I'm looking at her. She looks at me, and she looks at that dress, and she looks back at me, never says anything. She walks over, she pulls that dress on, she puts on her high heels And she walks to the Sears, where she gets a full-time minimum wage job answering phones. That minimum wage job saved our house, and more importantly, it saved our family. And it was the first lesson my mother taught me. That no matter how scared you are, and no matter how hard it looks, you get in the fight and you take care of the people you love. Now, it was years later that I came to understand that when I stood there that day, I was also getting a lesson in government. Because when I was a girl, when my mama walked to the Sears, a full-time minimum wage job would support a family of three. Think about that. It would pay a mortgage, it would cover the utilities, and it would keep food on the table. Today, a full-time minimum wage job in America will not keep a mama and baby out of poverty. That is wrong, and that is why I am in this fight. There it is. And understand this, that difference, that difference is no accident. That difference didn't just happen. That difference is a question of who government works for. Because when I was a girl, The question asked on minimum wage was what does it take a family of three to survive? What does it take a family to get a toehold in America's middle class? What does it take a family to have something solid that they can build on? Today, the question asked in Washington about the minimum wage is where do we set it to maximize the profits of giant multinational corporations. Well, I don't want a government that works for giant multinational corporations. I want one that works for our families. And there is the heart of the problem in America. A government that works great for those with money. Think of it this way. We've got a government that works great for giant drug companies, just not for anybody trying to get a prescription filled. Yeah, we got a government that works great for folks who want to make a little money. Oh, investing in private prisons and private detention centers, but not for the human beings whose lives are torn apart by those places. We've got a government that works great for giant oil companies that want to drill everywhere. Just not for the rest of us who see climate change bearing down upon us. Here's the thing. When you see a government that works great for those with money, for those who can hire armies of lobbyists and lawyers and PR firms and think tanks and bought and paid for experts, And it's not working so great for everyone else. That is corruption, pure and simple, and we need to call it out for what it is. Corruption. And understand this. Understand this. Whatever issue gets you up in the morning, whether your issue is gun safety or health care or student loan debt or climate, Whatever is your issue, if there is a decision to be made in Washington, it has been influenced by money. It has been shaped by money. It has had exceptions created by money. Money, money, money is driving the decisions in Washington. Well, I say it is time for us to get off our back foot, get on our front foot, and attack that corruption head on. And i got a plan for that. In fact, here's the good news. I have the biggest anti-corruption plan since Watergate. It's a big one. Here's the bad news. We need the biggest anti-corruption plan since Watergate. So let me just give you just a little sample from it, just a little tasting part of it. Here we go. First thing, end lobbying as we know it. Enough. Block the revolving door between Wall Street and Washington. Here's one you might not have thought about. Make the United States Supreme Court follow basic rules of ethics. And you really want to hose out a little of the corruption in Washington? Make every single person who runs for federal office put their tax returns online. Because here's the thing. We break up the influence of money. We don't have to get rid of it entirely. I get it. It'll be hard. But we break up the influence of money, and now we got the possibility for making real change in this country. Let me just mention a couple of the things we can do. It is time for a wealth tax in America. So this one is such a cool idea. I love it. So here it is. This is a tax on fortunes above $50 million. So just for those of you who were worried, your first 50 mil is free and clear. But your 50 millionth and first dollar, you got to pitch in two cents. And two cents on every dollar after that, you hit the billionaire, you got to pitch in a couple more. Minutes. OK, so that's the basic idea. And by the way, anybody in here own a home or grew up in a family that owned a home? Yeah, you paid the wealth tax forever. It's just called a property tax. And all I'm saying that's different is for that top one-tenth of one percent, their property tax should include the real estate, but also the stock portfolio, the diamonds, the Rembrandt, and the yacht. Now, this idea is really popular. I just want you to know this. Among Democrats and among Republicans, not elected ones, but the other kind, right? It is not popular with some billionaires. Some have gone on TV and cried. So sad. Others have run for president. (laughs) I guess they thought it would be cheaper. Uh. But here's their argument. They say, wait, 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 come on. This isn't fair for us to get taxed. After all, I had a great idea and I followed it through and I worked hard and I made this money. To which I say, good for you. That's great. I'm glad you made this money. Yeah, you bet. Celebrate, but understand this. You built a great fortune here in America. I guarantee you built it at least in part using workers. All of us help pay to educate. You built it at least. In part, getting your goods to market on roads and bridges, all of us help pay to build. You built it at least in part, protected by police and firefighters, all of us help pay their salaries. And here's the thing, we are glad to do it. We are happy to do it. We want to do it. We invest in opportunity. All we're saying is when you make it big, I mean, really big. I mean, top one-tenth of one percent big. Pitch in two cents so everybody else gets a chance to make it. Two cents. Two cents. Oh, two cents. Because here comes the fun part. What can you do for two cents? Wow. So I'll tell you where I'm going to start this. Universal child care and early education for every baby in this country age zero to five pre-k for every three-year-old and four-year-old in America and stop exploiting the people largely women largely black and brown women who do this work raise the wages of every child care worker and preschool teacher in this country we can do that. two cents two cents we can do that for our babies and more we can put eight $100 billion new dollars into our public schools. Every school in South Carolina can be an excellent school. We can quadruple our funding for Title I schools. Let's really level the playing field. And for the first time in history, we can fully fund IDEA so children with disabilities get a full education. That's what we can do. Two cents. We can do all that for our babies. We can do all that for K-12. Plus, anybody wants to get an education after high school, we can make technical school, two-year college, four-year college tuition-free we can raise the Pell Grants so there's real opportunity and we can level the playing field and correct a lot of historic discrimination put 50 billion dollars into our historically black colleges and universities two cents two cents and there's one more thing we can do with that money two cents We can cancel student loan debt for 43 million Americans. There is so much we can do. Think about building a future. Instead of leaving that 2% with the millionaires and billionaires who are already growing their fortunes at 6%, 8%, 10% a year, pitch in 2%. And we can invest in an entire generation of young people. All of us. That's the future we can build. Now, okay, you know me. I go on and on about the policies because I'm so, so excited about the things we could do. The investments we can make in housing the changes we can make in criminal justice system, the way that we can build an immigration system that works for everyone in a pathway to citizenship, for our friends and neighbors who are here. So much we can do, but it all turns on that first point I make, who government works for. We have a government that works for a handful of rich people at the top. Things are going to stay like they are. But we change that, and the whole world starts to look different. And in order to make that happen, we've got to protect our democracy. We've got to protect our democracy. So here's how I see this. I support a constitutional amendment to guarantee the right of every American citizen to vote and to get that vote counted. Push for a federal law to roll back all political gerrymandering. Yeah. And one more federal law to roll back every racist voter suppression law in this country.
11: Yep. This.
3: And just one more. Turn citizens united. Democracy is not for sale. So I love this. Yes, it's going to be a fight, but it is a righteous fight. You know, my heart is filled with hope. But I have to tell you, I go around this country and I meet people. And three years of Donald Trump, people are scared. People are worried, I talk to people who are worried, scared for their families, afraid for their friends and for their neighbors, afraid for children locked in cages at our borders, afraid for children on lockdown in our public schools, afraid for women, afraid for people of color. Afraid for LGBTQ people, all of whose rights are up for grabs in this Supreme Court. (laughs) Afraid for our nation and afraid for our planet. And here's the thing. The danger is real. Our democracy hangs in the balance in this election. So you have a decision to make. And that is when there is so much at stake, when there is so much danger out there, do we cower? Do we move back? Do we look back? Or do we fight back? Me? I'm fighting back. I'm fighting back. I'm fighting back. Fighting back is an act of patriotism. Look, we fought back to build this nation. We fought back against a king to do it. We fought back against the scourge of slavery to hold this union together. We fought back against a Great Depression to rebuild this economy. We fought back against the rise of fascism to protect our democracy. Americans are at our best. When we see a problem, we call it out and we fight back this is no time for small ideas this is no time to nibble around the edges of what is broken this is no time to raise nostalgia for the past no this is a time to recognize we have big problems in this country, but we are capable of bigger solutions. I'm not in this fight because I have a campaign that has been carefully shaped by consultants. I'm not in this to put forward a bunch of proposals that have been carefully designed not to offend big donors. I passed that stop sign a long time ago. I am in this campaign based on a lifetime of fighting for working families. I am in this fight from the heart because I believe in you and I believe in the America that we can build together. I believe in the America in which Every single person has value. The America in which every single child is worth investing in. The America where in our democracy the most important thing is not money, it is people. That is the America I believe in. I can see that America. I can see it. And if you believe that that America is possible, if you believe that America is worth fighting for, then I'm asking you, get in this fight. Get in this fight. Vote for me and more. Volunteer, talk to your neighbors, but get in the fight because understand this, 2020 is the moment in history that we have been called to. 2020 is our moment and it will not come our way again. 2020 is our time to choose hope over fear. 2020 is our time to choose courage over cynicism 2020 is our time to dream big fight hard and win get it. We're gonna get some music from the fabulous John Legend. Come on out, John. Come on, baby.
11: Yes, they rob I Sold I to the merchant ships Minutes after they took us From the bottomless pit My hands were made strong By the hand of the almighty We fought in this generation triumphantly Won't you have to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our minds. Have no fear for atomic energy. Cause under them couldn't stop the tide. How long shall they knew our prophets? While we stand aside and look, some say it's just a part of it. We've got to fulfill the book. sing these songs of freedom cause all i ever had redemption songs redemption songs No more sounds can free our minds. Have no fear for atomic energy. Cause none of them can stop the tide. How long shall they kill our prophets? While we stand aside and look, some say it's just a part of it. We've got to fulfill the book will you help to sing these songs of freedom is all I ever had? Redemption songs, redemption songs, these songs of freedom, all We songs, redemption songs, We We It's more confusing every day Oh, sometimes it's heaven sent Then we head back to hell again We kiss, then we make them on the way Take second chances There is not a fantasy I so want you all to stay With the Lord America. Take it slow. Oh, oh. This time will take it slow. Take it slow. Oh, oh. This time will take it slow. Take it slow. Take it slow, baby. We'll take it slow. This time we'll take. Feel free to sing along, Johnson. What would I do without your smart mouth, drawing me in? times do i have to tell you even when you're crying you beautiful too the world is being your curves and all your edges, all your perfect imperfections. Give your all to me, i give my all to you. You're my end and my beginning, even when I lose I'm win. You sound beautiful, Charleston. Have a great night. We'll see you at the polls on Saturday. Make sure you vote. Make sure you tell your friends to vote. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great night.
3: Dream big.
5: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity Voice Remote. Step into the
2: world of power, loyalty, and luck.
0: I'm going to make him an
2: offer he can't refuse. With family
0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
5: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: Open a limited time 11 month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average. Plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.